broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is CW. Thank you for joining us for the Midtown Business Radio show. Good morning. How are you, Emma, folks? I'm doing good, CW. Bruce Logue with us, too. I'm fantastic. Thanks. That means it is our monthly series with the Atlanta Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. Been doing this now pretty much all this year, right? Just about. It's kind of crazy. The years have gone by already. And here we are with a great group of people here to talk about things that they're doing in the community. So we, we should probably get started since it's a full show today. It's a full show, and I'm very excited. One of the first times I walked in and everyone was here before me, it was a little <laughs> shocking. I felt like I was late. I had to <laughs> kind of dial back. But uh, first up, we have Victoria Mosley and Jasmine Shoemaker from T-Mobile. Good morning, ladies. Good, Good morning. morning. How are you? Good. Wow. Well, T-Mobile is one of our newer uh, corporate partners, one of our platinum corporate partners. And I know Jasmine had kind of a role in introducing T-Mobile to the AGLCC. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do for T-Mobile and uh, why you thought it was a good idea? I like the shirt, by the way. She's wearing a, a <laughs> rainbow T-Mobile, <laughs> rainbow T-Mobile shirt. That's awesome. Um, well, initially I brought it to the table because I know that the uh, LGBT community is immense in the co- in the community. And I wanted to be able to bring that forth uh, and g- give it to the community and give it to T-Mobile so that we could be uh, truly active and engaged because I am a member of that community as well. Um, T-Mobile is so much bigger than wireless and I wanted to be able to bring that forth so that we can help uh, small businesses mobilize and make them more efficient and increase productivity. Awesome. And Victoria, what do you do for T-Mobile? I'm also in the business sector. Okay. And what we're doing in our market today is to make sure that T-Mobile, the consumers understand that T-Mobile represent business as well. And we want to be more aware and make our brand aware in the business sector as well. So I know T-Mobile, you know, what's T-Mobile's footprint like in Atlanta? You know, are you guys number one yet? Are you closing in fast? Like, I see your commercials everywhere. And full disclosure, I've been a T-Mobile customer for over 10 years. So if I talk about the company, I am talking about it from personal experience, but I'm not, you know. (laughs) Not a paid spokesperson Yeah, I'm not a paid spokesperson yet. (laughs) I'm working on that. We're working on that. (laughs) Well, our footprint, not number one yet in the Atlanta market, but definitely moving up quickly. Consumer, we're really a big impact in the consumer market where we are not as a, uh, our footprint is not as strong as in the business. And that's why we have structured a team together today that's going to be out in the market more. And that's one of the reasons why we partner with um, the Chamber of Commerce as well. We also partner with several others to make sure our brand is aware that we are doing business for business. Awesome. Well, you know, we've heard of a a number of other products. Um, Tell us a little bit about a product here. Digits? What is that? Phone numbers? (laughs) <laughs> Give me your so it is. So, <laughs> so Digits is a way to um, expand your use of your phone number. So it's the most common thing in the marketplace. But when you look at your phone number, it's the one thing that keeps you locked normally to one device. So you know, you may have noticed like with Google Voice or with Apple that you can st- you started being able to use your phone number across platforms where if you're on your tablet or your laptop, you're able to get your text messages. Well, Digits will dig a little deeper. It'll allow you to do that. It's really great for small businesses because what it'll allow you to do is either put one number across several phones. So if you need multiple people to have access to pick it up Mm -hmm. or you can carry one device and have 
two phone numbers and like have true phone phone numbers. So opposed to like Google Voice where, you know, it says that it's Google Voice, you know, it'll it'll be a little bit more professional. So okay. right now it's in a beta phase. It won't be really released for small business until at least Q1 because we need to get the kinks out. Um, but it is a huge, it's going to be huge for the marketplace. So for instance, I could have my um, business number coming to my cell phone as well as a personal number. So, and I will be able to see which number is being called. Yes. So it's gonna be out. It's gonna be outstanding. And another cool thing is, you know, who's who who here has left their phone at home, and you have to turn all the way back around in Atlanta traffic because <laughs> you gotta have it because it's like an appendage. Yeah, <laughs> well, with this, as long as you have Wi-Fi, so if you, you know most people are gonna go to work to work on a computer, you can still make calls from your computer. You can text from your computer, so you don't feel the need to turn around and get it. Wow, that's amazing. That's just that's fantastic. And another thing with digits, imagine that you have um, an employer that has vehicles in the road. And right now they're having to pay somebody in the office to answer that call. With digits, now that phone number can ring across every employee's line, whether they're on T-Mobile service or not. Whether they have a phone, a tablet, or a computer. So they can answer the work phone without having to pay another person to sit in the office. I like that. That's great. Yeah, it'll be... You know, I, I see people walking around with multiple phones, and I always knew there had to be some kind of a resolution for that. So, I mean, I, I, one one phone is enough for me to to keep track of, <laughs> let alone two. So, um, and then I also have been hearing about a, a sync up drive. Well, what's that all about? Now, sync up actually helps track assets. So, if you have a vehicle, and that vehicle is going to, for instance, for families, you're it can track teenagers pretty much if you're geofencing. Um, if the vehicle is in an area that's not supposed to be at the same time, um, if the car is in an area and anyone's pulling on it or tugging or get tapped or hit, it notifies you for a vehicle being pulled on. So if somebody's trying to steal your catalytic converter or the vehicle itself, it alerts you. Or if somebody door dings you. So imagine the, the impact on business. So you know where your employees are, if the vehicle is going too fast, harsh stops, or if the vehicle is going to be stolen or something stolen off of it, like tools. Yeah, I see ah. this being a good use for teenagers as well. <laughs> um, geofencing, that's my new term for, for parents. I think another thing that it does, too, that um, really helps with people that have small kids is it does have embedded Wi-Fi as well. Oh. So you can, it, it's Wi-Fi enabled. So, you know, I know everybody here sees their phone less, especially if you have kids. You see it less than they, they do. <laughs> it's like right. the first thing they grab in the morning. Um, but with this, it'll allow you to attach five phones to it and it's secure Wi-Fi. So literally, if you're on a road trip or what have you, um, you can give them the password and they can play on their tablets, phones, what have you on Wi-Fi. Nice. That's great. That's great. Nice. Well, the other uh, product that uh, I've, I've heard the, the name of and it sounds really interesting is uh, Spro2 Projector. Is, am I saying that right? That's correct. So tell us a little bit about what that's all about. Well, the, the projector actually acts just like today, where everyone has their cameras and they're watching themselves, the pro actually will allow you to project it on the wall. Oh. So any presentation you have, and on any wall, whether it be the ceiling, the wall, anywhere, and it'll actually get as big as the back of your home. Wow. So you can actually play project on the whole back of your home. So we can do movies. You could do movies in the backyard. You yeah. could so movies on the lawn, on no, the green. No need for a big screen TV That's for right. the football game. How yeah, does it connect? It actually has its own SIM card, so it connects it to the wireless network. And for business project, uh, presentations, um, imagine going to present your business and not having to connect to their Wi-Fi to present your business. 
So you'll have the opportunity to project it right here on the wall. You'll see it, hear it. It connects Bluetooth. So if you want to take an extra speaker to hear it well, you can as well. And it also works as a hotspot. So you can actually um, let you all in the room connect to it too, in oh, case wow. you need it to. So it's a, it's a separate a separate device. It uh, is. Uh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds great. Now, I know communication companies are changing their business model. Uh, technology is, you know, every time we turn around, something different is being invented, created, getting smaller, faster. Um, how is T-Mobile changing their business model to keep up with the changes in te- technology? Or how are you adjusting from being a wireless-focused corporation to becoming more of a technology-based company? I love that question because I think the the wireless industry, or as we talk now, 5G, which is Internet of Things, is actually come straight to us because we are a wireless provider and everything is going wireless. I mean, your phones, your cars, your televisions, um, anything you want to be able to communicate with, your home, your doorbell, all those things are taking a wireless connection. So I think the in, the technology came to us instead of us having to go to them because it's actually wireless is the next thing. Yeah, I have to in, say, in things. I'm one of those people that poo-pooed um, being able to control everything in your house <laughs> with a tablet. Like I was just one of those. I didn't want it, and we went. <laughs> yeah, we went and stayed at a at a, this hotel in a, uh, outside of Raleigh this weekend, and everything was on the tablet. And now that I'm home, and I have to like flip a switch <laughs> and get up to, to adjust the temperature in the house, I'm throwing like a temper tantrum. So I get it now. You know, once you try it, it, it just becomes so much easier. So will you be, will will T-Mobile have anything to do with, say, um, you know, we talked about cars, we talked about the homes, but what about things like, you know, uh, unlocking your doors, alarm systems? Will all of that be connected? I mean, with Internet of Things, everything will. Our first step in that digital age is digits. Digits is a patent pending that T-Mobile only has that you won't see that across any other industry. So the the fact that we're going into technology, digits is the first step there. The Internet of Things, if it connects wirelessly and it can take a SIM card, we're already there. So it's all the newer things now that we're looking for. Now, one of the things I I really want to talk about T-Mobile, you know, again, like I said, I was a customer for, I think it's been over 10 years at this point. And at the time, T-Mobile didn't have the best coverage. You know, my calls would drop, et cetera. But the thing that kept me with T-Mobile was the customer service. I'm very, very big on customer service. Tell me, can you talk a little bit about the culture um, you know, I was very upset when I thought you guys were going to merge with another big company, won't say the name, but I was ready to defect. But I'm so glad that merger didn't happen. But tell, tell us a little bit about that corporate culture and why does it seem like the customers are so important to the employees? I mean, that's if a lot of people don't understand what the uncarrier mean. The meaning of uncarrier was just that. It was our CEO sat down with hundreds of people in business and consumers and saying, what is your pain points? What are the pain points? What's causing you to really hate our industry? And from that um, listening sessions that he did, he got 389 different pain points. The top one was um, contracts. That's the first thing we did. We got rid of contracts. We're only on number 12 of those 389. So we're constantly looking for ways to remove pain points from the wireless industry. Digits is going to be something that's great for us, but our customer care and our customer service and our culture, um, J.D. Power was for customer service. We've been voted by um, the LTBG. LGBT. Yes. <laughs> for the best place to work. For, for years. veterans, mm-hmm. the best place to work. So there's so many different, um, the culture is strong for, um, internally for 
all across all markets. All. And then John Ledger actually just got uh, yesterday. Fierce Wireless nominated him the um, number most powerful CEO in telecom. Wow. Amongst and it was like basically it was dueling. Everybody was dueling against another person. You just keep moving up the rankings, and that came in yesterday. And it's all because he just listens to customers. I like that. Wow. I really like that. That's great. Well, uh, one last. Uh, there's a uh, something else called Cradle Point. What's what's that all about? So credit points are really good for small business, especially because most small business obviously will take some form of payment because that's that's what we do. We pay for products and services. And what credit point is, a, is a failover system. So imagine having your system and the impact if your system goes down and having to put a cash only sign up. And then what that impacts, because the average consumer actually doesn't carry cash because, you know, this is the year. I mean, everybody carries plastic. Um, so with credit point is if your system goes down, it is a backup system that picks up so that you never go without having the ability to be able to take credit card payments. Oh, that's that's awesome. Right. Now, uh, what should uh, would you tell our, our listeners uh, would be helpful to help them elevate their business into the future? Also, I tell people every year, especially when you're looking at the end of the year and you're trying to make commitments for the, the upcoming year, you always want to take a, a firm look at what may be holding you back from taking it to the next level. That i I met actually met a small business that still uses paper. And, you know, you think paperless forms are, uh, are everybody has them, but they don't. So taking a firm look at your business and identifying a few things that if you had those things in place would elevate your business to the next level, whether that's touching more people, bringing in more income, those things T-Mobile probably offers. And if we don't offer it, we partner um, with somebody who does. So anything that's in your water dreams, we either have it or we know somebody who does. So thinking, looking at your business and, making an, a true assessment of what you need. Awesome. That sounds well, thank great. Thank you. I appreciate you both being here this morning and thank sharing you. T-Mobile's vision for business owners with us. And also, um, once again, you know, thank you for supporting the AGLCC. We appreciate Absolutely. you uh, as one part. of our corporate partners. Yeah. <laughs> thank you it's, so much. It's been, it's been wonderful getting getting to know you. We see that you're you're very involved in yes. our, our, our organization and, or attending uh, most of our events. So, <laughs> so we love we love seeing your face and, and we hope to continue to be able to introduce you around to, to our, our membership. Absolutely. Thank you. We love the partnership. Awesome. Sir? Hi. How are you? <laughs> Great. How are you? <laughs> Doing good. Doing good. Um, so, Paul, tell us a little bit. You're with Outfront Theater Company. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, I, I like to say that people don't decide to just go into the theater. They get no. there's like a calling, right? Yeah, there is. I mean, you can sometimes you get pigeonholed in it too, and that's what kind of happened to me in high school. I was not fitting in anywhere else and I was like, well, the drama club looks fun. <laughs> and I mean, still that was 20 years ago and still the people that I met then are still some of my best friends. And then once I went into college, um really got involved with the theater program there and then it just kind of here we are. <laughs> so yeah. you you were the the theater what do they call them the theater geek that grew yeah. up and made the a career geek. out of it yeah and made and actually made a career out of it so it, it can be a very challenging career but a rewarding one when it works so tell us a little bit about out outfront theater company how did that get started why were you drawn to it um outfront theater company was i'm the founder and the producing artistic director so it was an idea of mine 2 years ago when i was finishing my master's degree in chicago in directing and i was trying to decide what to do next with my career and i said okay well i've always wanted to run a theater company with a strong educational component cuz i was a teacher for 7 years and i had a lot of friends in the gay community in atlanta that would say 
we want to go see a show. We want to go and do something. And I would tell them about shows that were happening. And they kept saying to me, that doesn't sound appealing. It doesn't sound like something that speaks to me. So I said, okay, there's clearly a market in Atlanta for people who want to go and see LGBTQ plus shows. And so I did some research and looked at other cities and saw that Richmond, Virginia, Boston, Chicago, San Diego, London, even Omaha, Nebraska, all have queer theater companies. And these are companies that have been around Um, The one in Richmond is about to celebrate their 25th anniversary. Chicago is 35 years. So these are companies that have been around for a while. I said, okay, clearly there's a business model that works and there's a market that's hungry for it. So why don't we just put the two together and get the ball rolling? And that's what happened. And that was two years ago. And we're in the middle of our very first season. We just did our very first production ever this past October. That's great. That sounds fantastic. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I understand that you're a, a not not for profit, not uh, not for profit, which doesn't mean we don't make money. It just means that we're a not for profit. We still have to pay people and pay our bills and pay for goods and services and everything. So a lot of people just think that it's a free ride and it's not. We're employing a lot of people. Gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, how can uh, uh, for profit businesses benefit from partnering and supporting uh, non profit? arts organizations such as yourself? I think there, there are two ways that for-profit businesses can help. The first is since we are a nonprofit, any donations made to us um, are fully tax deductible. And donations don't have to just be money. Let's say there's a business that is upgrading um, their computer systems. Well, we will take the computers that they are getting rid of because that's going to save us money. Um, It can be office furniture. It can be people's furniture in their homes, especially as a theater company where we're doing so many shows. Our sets are taking place in all different sorts of settings. So the next one we actually have, there are three different settings, an apartment, an office, and a doctor's office. So I have to find an exam table. So if there's a medical professional out there (laughs) that wants to buy a new exam table... Then you know they can donate the the one to us and get the full value of that. Where they might just think, "What am I going to do with this type of thing?" So certainly, um, donations are a big way that can help us. Um, the other way is that our patrons really support businesses that show that they support us and other nonprofits. That they can see that there are companies doing good in the community and giving back. Then our patrons see that, um, especially with us as a theater company, we have. Um, a program for every show. So ads in every show and posters and social media presence. So when people sit down in the theater and open up their program and see a full page ad from a company and the people enjoy the show, they're going to say, this company is supporting something that I also support. And we do see that companies do get a return on that. And it can be something as small as a restaurant down the street from us. um, Or you see major corporations around the country giving money to nonprofits and especially arts organizations. Now, how do people get, um, well, one, I'm going to say I've heard, I'm not going to say where, but I've heard that, you know, Atlanta doesn't support the arts like other metropolitan cities. And was wondering, you know, stereotypically, being, you know, very stereotypic, uh, (laughs) the LGBTQ community is typically deeply entrenched in the arts. Right. And so it's very hard for me to understand the disconnect between you know, this being one of the larger cities uh, in the LGBTQ um, mm-hmm. community in the in the country, um, but we're supposed to be the lifeblood of the arts community, right? 
Right. So why do you think we're not we're not doing? I think it, I think it goes beyond the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I grew up in Boston, so I'm from New England. I got my undergrad in New York and then my grad degree in Chicago. So I'm very used to very liberal place. I mean, I'm a city boy through and through. Um, I think that it's a culture of how people are raised. It's no secret that football is king down here. And if you even look at a lot of the major universities in um, Atlanta itself, there aren't really theater programs. There aren't theater degrees. One of the best theater degrees around is up at Kennesaw and Emory has a, you know, a good program too, but then you have to go down to Columbus and then you're talking about going to Savannah and then it's much smaller schools. So a place like Georgia Tech has no theater program outside of a student run program. And I think that bringing people up to appreciate and experience the arts, even as a child that carries over into adulthood. Um, you know, and I think that that's the biggest challenge that we have to overcome. And it's not just it's not just theater; it's the ballet. I mean, I've gone to the Cobb Energy Center on matinees for the ballet, and you know, with thousands of seats, and you're looking around, and there's 300 people there, and you think this is such a shame because these artists are working so hard, as hard as athletes work, and no one's coming out to see them. So, I think that everyone can probably do a little bit of a better job of supporting the live arts across the board. Now, for people to get involved with the arts, you don't have to be usually when we hear about um, people that are making donations and corporations that are making donations, we're thinking millionaires. billionaires. Yeah, you have to be a millionaire. To get, you have yeah, to be yeah, a millionaire, billionaire to, to support the arts. So if, okay. you know, we're here in this room, I think there may be one millionaire, but um, <laughs> one or two. OK, so I'll get their number later. On. Their- <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how, how can the, you know, our average listener uh, support the arts? Like what what can we do? You can buy a ticket to come and see the show. You can donate $5. You can donate five hours of time. The, the great thing about theater is that it's the only true collaborative art form. What, my, what I mean by that is that you don't have to act. If you like building, then come and donate five hours of time and help us build a set. If you like decorating, I mean, like I said, our next show coming up, one of the main sets is a... Um, uh, an apartment in Manhattan. So if someone says, hey, if you get all the stuff together, I'll work on the set dressing or things like that. We had people for the show that we just did. It was um, the musical version of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And we had people coming in and they just said, what can we do? And we said, here's a corset and here's two pounds of rhinestone, start gluing. And they just sat around and they just, it, it becomes such a great communal opportunity for people to meet new people and know that all skills are completely welcome. And even beyond that, we need ushers for shows. So even if someone just says, I want to, you know, come and just check programs and sweep up after and see the show for free, that's great because in nonprofits, and I've been, in the past 20 years, I've only worked for nonprofits. So I don't know any other, um, any other type of world, but it's great because people can really feel like they are giving back to the community and everyone is valuable with whatever gifts they have, you know? They can walk around, hang up posters. That's great. That's something that I don't have to do because when you work in nonprofit, it, it tends to be, you know, two or three people end up doing everything. You always feel people that work in nonprofits have to really, really love what they're doing because you can't be in it for the money. Yeah, um, no, you're not in it. And both my boyfriend and I are both, we both work for nonprofit arts organizations. So there's weeks on ends where we're just like, well, we'll see you whenever we see you because we have too many things going on. So, but we wouldn't have it any other way. And, um, I look 
was looking at your website uh-huh. and I was, you know, looking at your mission statement. If yep, you want to yep. tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> so we're focused on works creative and important to the LGBTQIA community. And I know what you're going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so because some of the letters, people are a little. You right. Know. So a lot of people are familiar with LGBT and now Q. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to ask you to just, you know, define the QIA. Sure. Um, and we put a lot of thought into this, actually. This is something that we thought of long and hard and something that we looked at other theater companies as well. Um, so LGBT, we're all familiar with. The Q stands for queer. We have found that a lot of um, young people now identify as queer. A lot of teenagers. Um, older people in the community may not like that word for whatever reason. Um, but we're finding that younger people it's kind of an oxymoron while not trying to define themselves or anything or defining themselves as queer because then it's a much, it's a much more umbrella term. So it's not specific. Um, I stands for intergender, which is gender fluid. So whether or not you identify as either gender or as both gender. And then A stands for allied because as a nonprofit, we talked to a lot of um, straight people in the community and we found that they felt um, that they couldn't get involved with a lot of the queer charities in town that they just didn't feel welcome. And and that's just being, that's just being completely honest. So we wanted to make sure, and especially in our mission, it's works important to that community. So a straight person can write a play about a gay experience or a lesbian experience or a transgender experience. And we don't want to say we're not doing that show because it wasn't written by someone in that community. So we want to make sure that allied people know that they are just as welcome. We, we don't care how you identify. If you can come and clean a bathroom or paint a wall, we will bring you in. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Paul, how can the arts impact and improve neighborhoods uh, and benefit local businesses? I mean, people come and see our shows. And when people come and see our shows, they're going to go out to dinner. They're going to shop. Um, we're in a wonderful, wonderful space in West Midtown. If anyone's familiar with um, Miller Union, we're in the same building as Miller Union. And so we have several businesses right there that have already seen our patrons going in before the shows um, and frequenting them. So, you know, it just, the arts help to revitalize neighborhoods. Um, this construction right diagonal from us right now, which I'm sure is going to turn into some form of live shop play like everywhere else in Atlanta. But, you know, we drive, the arts drive people to areas that they may not necessarily go to otherwise. So it's really important to get that foot traffic in for businesses just to make them aware, people aware that they're there. Great, great. Mm -hmm. Now, what are the challenges of choosing programming uh, to fit your your audience? And Uh, how does that change, (laughs) uh, you know, depending on the demographic, as we were talking about, you know, adding adding the the various uh, uh, letters to our <laughs> exactly, um, and it's a generational issue too. You know, we're looking at older shows that may appeal to an older audience, and so younger LGBTQ plus people may not come and see those shows. So we're trying to find a healthy mix, and then of course. I mean, I don't understand how, but some people don't like musicals. I don't understand that, but that's okay. I know everyone is very shocked by that. <laughs> but so trying to find musicals and plays and new works too, because we're finally at a place where these creators of art feel that they have a voice to write shows, to create shows about being transgender. You know, it, it, you can go back to the ancient Greeks and they've been writing great shows for years, but writing about the transgender experience goes back to like 
the 70s. So it's much harder to find these works. But again, like I said before, we're fortunate that we have other nonprofit theaters in this country that we can look to and we can talk to and say, you've been around for 30 plus years. What have you done so that we can bring those shows to an Atlanta audience too? So it can be a little challenging, but I think the best part of any arts organization is having a strong mission statement so that people know exactly who you are and what it is that you're going to do. One of the things that's been really on my mind has to do with the millennials. Okay. Um, <laughs> with them being so uh, tech savvy, yeah. How do you how do you get them to put their phones down or their devices down? So it's funny. Um, a lot, as we all know, when you go to the theater, you know, there's a speech that says, "Put it away right now." <laughs> and when I do the curtain speech, I don't do that. I tell people, I say, "Take your phones out and use them while I'm giving this speech." So that gives people the opportunity to go onto Facebook and check in and go to Twitter and go to Instagram. So I say to them specifically, use your phones right now, use your social media because you're the best form of advertisement. And we can see then all of a sudden, you know, the show begins and I go into the office and I see like all the tags that we've been in. And then I also say to people as well, use it during intermission. And we had a photo booth set up for Priscilla. So people were taking pictures during that too. And then, you know, and saying to them, but make sure you shut it off. So they understand that there is a respect. I, I, I mean, we're lucky we're in a 150 seat theater. So I can joke with the audience and say, don't be that person whose phone goes off because everyone's going to know it's you. So we luckily didn't have any incidents of that, but we have to embrace it. Some theaters have what's called tweet seats, and they are at the very back of the theater, and they allow people to sit there and be on their phones and engage on social media while the show is happening. But since they're in the back row, their screens are not disturbing anyone who is in front of them. Um, you have to make it clear to people it is against federal copyright law to record a show anyway. So, you know, they can't be taking their phones out and taking pictures. Even if, even if you know, you're a proud mom and your son is in the show, you can't do that. You but can't record the whole thing. You can't record <laughs> the whole thing. And please don't put it on YouTube. Um, so we, ha- we have to embrace it. And, you know, we had members of our cast that were younger, took over our Snapchat, took over our Instagram. And so it gave audiences an opportunity to see what was going on behind the scenes, something that they're not going to see sitting in the seat. So I think that you have to grab the bull by both horns and you're still controlling the bowl, but you're still allowing it to happen. Well, tell me a little bit about how nonprofit organizations can connect with minority communities, um, given the current, you know... Uh, State of the world. The, the, the social climate <laughs> that we have right now. Um, how can the arts help, you know, um, impoverished or just other, other communities? We... I, I like to say that we're a voice, especially for where we are. I met with... Um, the head of the queer theater company in Chicago. And he was great. And I said, you know, it's easy to do what you're doing in Chicago. We're going to do in Atlanta. And not that, you know, Atlanta is a challenge, but we're aware that the areas around Atlanta might be a challenge. And so we're trying to do this for those people who don't have the voice, who don't have the bravery to say, I can be who I want to be right now because of the climate you know, of where it is. So we're just trying to start a conversation. And that's what I think theater does. So for people to connect with that, whether it's on a business level or on a personal level, theater is such a great introduction to say, here's a story. And it's two hours long, and you can love it and hate it or hate it. 
you might connect with it, you might not, but it's a lot easier to start a conversation after that instead of just going to a protest or going to a lecture or something like that, because you know, I'm in for two hours, there's going to be some entertainment value. And then at the end of that, let's talk about it. Well, awesome. Well, Paul, I want to thank you. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Paul, you want to tell us a little bit about some of your upcoming programming? Sure. uh, So we have two more shows this season. Absolutely. I'll plug what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) We have two more shows this season. Um, And Priscilla, Queen of the Desert was actually the Georgia premiere. No one had ever done it in the state before. Um, And if anyone's familiar with the movie, we did get an actual bus on stage. We bought a school bus and put it on. Yes. So so if anyone wants a school bus, I have one available. (laughs) Um, Our next show is in February, and it's the Southeast premiere of a play called A Kid Like Jake, which deals with some um, gender identity issues. And then after that, a play that hasn't been done in Georgia in 10 years called The Most Fabulous Story Ever Told um, by Paul Rudnick. And that's just a really uproarious comedy. And then next season, we are planning four shows. And I can't say what right now, but our musical in October, we're talking to hopefully a nationally known queer artist to come in and play the lead in the musical. I can't say who yet. (laughs) Awesome. Well, now I can say thank you. you. (laughs) Now I can say thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thanks. Well, Courtney. Hi. (laughs) Uh, Courtney, uh, you have a dynamic business. Um, got a chance to to hear you present at some of our procurement spotlights uh, events um, over the past year. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, about your company. Okay, so thank you so much for having me on. Um, I own DOG Pet Services and Training, and what we do is we are Atlanta's premier dog walking, pet sitting, and dog training company. Um, we really cater to our clients what they what they need, custom packages. Nothing is set in stone. Sure, we have prices and uh, services on our website, but really, whatever people want, we'll do um, as far as dogs go. I mean, we have taken people, celebrities, to the airport with their dogs, so that was kind of fun and <laughs> very different. Um, we drive dogs cross country when people are here filming, we'll drive them to back to LA. Um, so that's something that's really cool. Something that's unique about our company. That's great. Now, um, what besides that, is there anything else that you feel, uh, makes you a unique organization? Yeah, absolutely. So this year we transitioned from contractors to employees. Um, it's the way the industry is going and we are very excited to be leading the industry in Atlanta in that direction. Um, what it does is it enables me to value our clients better, value our employees better. Um, one thing that I heard at when I was doing the presentation at First Data um, was bring your whole self to work. And ever since I've had that, I kind of adopted that as our motto. So I always, during the interview process, and I even have it on our website, please bring your whole self to work. We accept you here. You can have piercings and tattoos and green hair. We're cool with it as long as you love people and you love animals. Um, so it's a very accepting um, company to be part of. Great, great. Well, what made you choose some of the walkers you have working for you? Uh, so we have a pretty rigorous interview process because we are going into people's homes and the security of people's homes and their information and their pets is really important to me. So we have a four-page application when people um, sign up and they want to become part of our company. Then I do a phone interview with them. And as long as that goes well, then they'll come in and we'll do an in-person interview, and then they do a working interview. So it's almost like becoming part of the CIA. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's so I choose people who, um, red flag, 
if anyone ever says, oh, I hate people, I love animals, I go, I'm so sorry, this is just not for you. Because we um, we really have to have that relationship with the clients. They have to trust us when we go into their home and we really become part of their family. I have clients who, when I first started this, it was just me and now I have 18 employees. But when it was just me, I, I had clients for the last five years and I've watched their dogs grow old and we go to the vet on their last day. And it's you know, it's such a valuable family type environment for our clients. Now, I know that um, you deal with certain dogs with special needs. I'm just going to mention one special dog yeah. uh, named <laughs> Clyde. Um, that's, that's very <laughs> that's very particular. Um, but I know that you're. Uh, so I want to thank you for taking care of Clyde oh, when, of when when Clyde's owners are out of town. Um, you have a, a few dog trainers on staff who are C. P D T K A. Mm-hmm. Yes. What does that mean? So there's no national um, requirement for dog uh, dog trainers to become certified. People can go to school; they can pay the Animal Behavior College, but they're not leaving with any sort of certification. So what this does? There's a national um, organization called the um, Association of Professional Dog Trainers. And they've set forth a program for people to, they recommend books and things like that. So these trainers have gone through an extra step of passing this national certification. And um, it really sets them apart because they learn more about animal behavior. They've got hands-on experience. They have to have um, a vet recommendation. So they really have to be cream of the crop to get this certification. Well, I see that uh, your team members are also required to volunteer with pet-related nonprofits. Um, Tell us a little bit about that and why you feel that's important. So because everybody is an employee, instead of a contractor, I can really provide them with educational opportunities. So on top of the educational opportunities, I feel like everybody should be giving back. We do have a nonprofit that we started in January of this past year called DOG Cares, where we go out into the um, underserved underserved areas of Atlanta, pass out food to people so they can keep their pets. Um, So while I was doing that, I thought, you know what? This is such a great learning opportunity for everyone. So I don't care whether they volunteer with me and that nonprofit or they go to the shelter and walk dogs. Not only does it make them feel good, but they also learn a lot about behavior of animals um, and dog handling skills are really improved through that. Great, great. Now, we are delighted to have you as part of uh, uh, the AGLCC family. Um, but let, tell us a little bit about how do you feel your involvement with um, the AGLCC ha- has helped you as a small business owner? So this past year has been really wonderful as part of the AGLCC. I've been a member for about three years, but just this past year, I really kind of jumped in and saw the opportunity to meet other like-minded businesses and I've, I met my accountant through there, Revolution Financial. She's been fantastic and my attorney. So there have been so many ways that I've been able to collaborate with other businesses. And not only just that, but just the opportunities to present my business in front of people like the, the First Data Extreme Makeover. I won that. Uh, so that's been really cool and has actually really improved how we accept credit cards and we're now able to offer gift cards. So my business has really just gone to the next level thanks to my involvement. Good. So with that being said, (laughs) what are your plans for involvement in in, in 2017? So I've already kind of started that process. I've been talking to all of my friends who have startup businesses and telling them to come. My friend was Safi Spirit. She came to the last meeting and she was just overjoyed with how everybody welcomed her. I mean, she is not 
a member of the um, gay and lesbian community, but she just, she's an ally. And she really wanted to be part of what, every time I talk about these events, I post on Facebook, I tell everybody how wonderful this is. So she just wanted to really be part of it. So that's what I'm going to continue doing is bringing more and more people in. Awesome. Now, uh, because we've we've talked a little bit about uh, T-Mobile and all, uh, what do you do to incorporate technology into your business? I understand that you've you've done some of that to take it to the next level. We have, yeah. So we use social media, of course, you know, because that's kind of how we reach everybody these days. So we have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we have a software program that runs our entire business. So while the pet sitters are out, I know where they are at all times. I know where they're walking, how far they're walking. I know the timestamp of when they get when they got there and when they left. So that's a really valuable asset to our company so that not only are we incredibly transparent with our clients, um, but they also get an, a really cute update. It's honest, you know, if the dog has an accident, we're going to tell them about that. But, you know, it's just really a nice way to interact with our clients through technology. And lots of people say they're very happy with that service. Great. Well, I know, I hear uh, that your clients absolutely love you and are very, very loyal to you uh, and, and and like to spread uh, the, your name around. What are two key things that you use in your business that really drives that client loyalty? So I think what I came from a family of entrepreneurs. So I saw how they ran their businesses. And I think something that lacks in a lot of other pet sitting companies is the well-run business and the behind the scenes part that keeps everything operating smoothly. So I feel like that's really something that drives the client loyalty is that they know that no matter what, we have them covered. We've got the schedule. There are no scheduling mistakes because they have the ability to go and look and see what's on the schedule. Um, And the other thing is just um, consistency. So a lot of people with other companies, you just get random dog walkers. You know, you you get on your app and you say, okay, I need a dog walk at 2 p.m. today, and you just get whoever. I think what our clients really value is that we do a meet and greet and we bring two walkers, one that's going to be your primary and one that's going to be your secondary. So you never have random people just coming in and out of your home. So the consistency and reliability is what I think creates that client loyalty. I think that's very important. You always want to know who's coming in your house and always who's taking care of, mm-hmm. of your of your pets. So for a, a business person, if they're going away, so in, in what instances would someone use your services? When people travel while they're at work, we have clients who, um, they work random schedules where they're nurses or doctors or whatever. So we may do a visit for them at 10 p.m. Really any any time of the day. We're 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 365 days a year. So when people travel too, we have people who travel to Europe for a month and we take care of their animals. Instead of them being stressed in a boarding situation, we're there several times a day, even sleepovers at their house. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So um, what would you say is the foundation to the success of your business? Looking back, right, at everything, what do you think, what do you think is the foundation for your success? So I really can sum it up in one word, is value. So I value the clients. I value that, sure, they could send their dog to daycare for the same price that they're paying for a 30-minute walk. But the different, there's such a difference in those services. So they're getting very personalized services. I create that personal relationship. No matter how big this company gets, I will always go to every meet and greet. I will always create that 
um, very welcoming environment. So if there's ever an issue or something that somebody is not happy with, they feel comfortable coming to me and talking to me about it, and I will always make it right. Um, and then the other thing is valuing my team, giving them the educational opportunities and spending time with them and coaching them to be better. This may just be a stepping stone. A lot of our uh, walkers are in the arts, so they're trying to make it big. So, um, you know, it's really nice that I can support them through that. And, you know, I have a lot of business connections. So if, if there's anything that I can do to help them up to whatever their next step is, that's really what I focus on. I like that. I really like that. Well, Courtney, it's been delightful to have you Thank here. Thank you so much. And 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 everybody today, it's 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 been a you know a, a great a great show. Thank you. I was so asking much. you before we went on the air today mm-hmm. about the boarding services. Do you do boarding? And you're like, no. And I'm like, why wouldn't you do that? But your your explanation towards the end, in terms of when I was thinking about someone coming to walk my dogs for me. I mean, I was not associating with well, when I'm out of town, they can just stay in my house and they can come mm-hmm. board them there. How does that compare? Because it's not inexpensive to have your dogs in a kennel for, for boarding. And I know mine get very stressed out by that and can, you know, develop some challenges with uh, being continent in the house and that kind of mm-hmm. thing after they've been, you know, kind of forced to do it where they are in the right. kennel. Talk about, is it, I mean, how does it, compare in terms of being able to have the added benefit of my dogs getting to stay in their own environment and having some come for them, much like as if we were there versus having them gone in in a boarding situation. Can yep, you talk exactly. about that? Sure. Um, so the biggest difference is that they're in, they're in their own home. So they reduce the risk of being sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you're keeping up their potty schedule and routine. You have somebody also that's deterring crime. So especially during the holidays, you have somebody coming in and out of your home So that's just an added benefit. Mm -hmm. The more pets you have, the less expensive we are. If you have just one dog and you're having somebody come and stay in your home, it's really like they're making their, your home, their home for the period of time that you're gone. So you are going to pay that price. They're coming and going. Um, so as far as price differential, it's a little bit more expensive than the boarding, but I really feel overall it's it's a much better value. It, that, and and that's why I asked that question. I knew that it would be a little bit more than sending my dog off to a kennel, but based on what you're saying, I can see why it might make sense. Because I did have a, a dog I loved. He came back with kennel cough mm-hmm. um, from, from being boarded for uh, a few days on a trip. So I can certainly attest to that. And then you're treating your, your animal for an illness and right. that kind of thing and all the stress of of just that situation. So that's a really cool way of looking at what you're doing and something that I know for myself, I didn't necessarily even think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's very cool. Well, I want to thank everyone for being here today. Um, Courtney, can you tell us how, if people want to um, reach out to you, learn more about your services, how can they find you on the interweb? Uh, <laughs> how can they find you on social media? What's your phone number? Business phone number. Business phone number. Yes, yes it is. 404-952-9026. You can find our website. It's di-o-gi.com. And we're pronounced D-O-G just like you spell dog. You can also find us. We have a D-O-G training and a D-O-G pet services Facebook page as well as Instagram at D-O-G pet. Awesome. Now, Emma, what's going on at Folk Steel Wealth Management, anything coming up? Because I know you all are always offering certain educational oh my gosh. presentations and all kinds of stuff. Yes, anything there's, going on? there's always a lot going on, but can't announce anything until things are formalized. <laughs> but um, I've gotten lots of requests from uh, different groups to um, talk about the sandwich generation. So 
if you have a group or an organization um, that wants to learn how to deal with the emotional drain, the financial burden, and just setting boundaries uh, between, you know, your um, aging parents and in some cases your boomerang children, um, you can reach out to me <laughs> at uh, Emma Knows Money on Facebook or Twitter. And my email address is Emma at FSWealthManagement.com. And from what I understand, Bruce, you've got some things to talk about uh, since we've last had you in the studio. Yes, yes. Um, I've recently joined uh, Common Ground Real Estate. Uh, it's a real estate team at uh, Palmer House. Well, you have new contact information for folks I if do, they want to get I you do. there. Yes, uh, you could go to uh, uh, www.commongroundrealestate. Uh, I know that's a long uh, URL name, uh, but commongroundrealestate.com. Uh, there's a, uh, a tab, uh, to select the agents, uh, and you can just find my name, Bruce Logue there as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just want to give a, a, a great shout out to, uh, Palmer house. One of the reasons that, uh, I joined that organization is because I, I just felt with the, the recent change in, um, in things, uh, that it was important for me to, uh, be involved with an LGBT business enterprise, which Palmer house is. Very cool. And this month, a couple of weeks ago, we had out in the kitchen event. I got to go this time. I didn't get to go last year. It was my first one. Yeah. So my absolute favorite time of the year uh, is when I get to eat a lot. Um, and out in the kitchen this year was incredible. And CW was there hanging out. I think you even did an interview or two. Yes. From what I hear. Uh, so it was it was pretty exciting. I'll have to post those up uh, at the end of the podcast. We don't really have time for the, for the cuts today. But I caught up with uh, folks from Cox Communications and uh, some other small businesses here in the area. So uh, we'll run one or two of those uh, with the podcast. That's great. Yes. And of course, the T-Mobile group was there. Um, <laughs> how was it? What did you think? Food was great. <laughs> food was great. Yes. Yeah, a couple of our previous guests, we had Carlton Brown and he Vadam. Was one of the, yeah, he was the uh, the uh, co-host, and Chef Vadam was there, yeah. and it was it was just a very eclectic group. Um, the food was incredible. I ate way too much. Um, <laughs> and what was the? Oh, and they had a drink that was a chamomile tea and vodka. Was the special? Was the special? Um, was the special cocktail? And it sounds weird. It was so delicious. Was it? Yeah, yeah it was really delicious. Calming. Well, if you haven't gone to, <laughs> if you haven't attended the Out in the Kitchen event, you got to make a point to do so next year because I can attest to the fact that the venue is beautiful at the top of the W Hotel in Midtown down there on 14th Street overlooking the city. It was amazing as the sun was going down. It was really pretty. Yeah. Our next event is going to be in August, uh, fourth Friday. Uh, I'm sorry. Next event is going to be in January. Uh, the uh, fourth Friday in January is our uh, annual membership drive, and that's going to be hosted at the Four Seasons Restaurant. So please put that on your calendar. Yep, that's the event that I'm going to be very excited about. Um, the Four Seasons is one of the, you know, it's a premier hotel in the Midtown area, and I think it's just, it's free for everyone. It's our membership drive, and so whether you're gay, straight, L, G, B, T, Q, IA. Right. <laughs> hey, look at that. <laughs> come one, come all. Um, it's one of our, I, 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 I um, shouldn't say one of our biggest events because every event we have nowadays is seeming like the biggest event and sold out event. So you definitely want to come to this. 
we would be remiss if we didn't say, make sure you give your contact information for T-Mobile and for the theater. Um, so um, I'm Jasmine Shoemaker. I can be reached um, via phone at 404-649-7755 or email if it works best at jasmine, J-A-S-M-I-N-E dot shoemaker uh, dot, at, excuse me, number one at t-mobile.com. I also have a Facebook page um, and that is T-Mobile Business ATL. Um, so whatever is easier, the easiest means to get in contact, I'm more than happy to help. And we are at OutfrontTheater.com, and theater is spelled with an R-E. Uh, we're on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook at Outfront Theater. Um, the phone number is 404-448-2755. And I forgot to mention before, too, if anyone's looking for a venue for any sort of corporate meetings or anything like that, we do have a 150-seat theater in a very large lobby with a full sound and light system and abilities for projectors or anything. That's, That's a great idea. Yeah. So if you're looking for something a little different, um, as far as a larger meeting space goes, we are available for rentals. And certainly anyone involved in the um, Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce would get a discount as far, and even with advertising and all of that as well. So, oh, And nice. you could also reach all of us through uh, our website, uh, theaglcc.com, uh, and go to the uh, member portal. And uh, you could can find us all on the directory. And if you aren't yet a member of AGLCC, you need to get signed up. Why? Because you can become LGBTBE certified. Boom. Boom. Drop the mic. We're done. Thanks. Show's over. See y'all later. It took them a year. As part of your membership fee, and the membership fee itself is actually quite reasonable when you start comparing some of the other chamber memberships and the the folks in the chamber of commerce have been really great about uh, as as some of the folks here in the studio have talked about finding access to business partners that they need to conduct their business so i highly encourage you to explore becoming a member of the AGLCC and taking advantage of some of the things that they're doing for your business without you even realizing it's available to you so i encourage you to do that if you've not done so already in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, the Apple logo will take you over to the Midtown Business Radio Show podcast. Subscribe to us. That way, each week when the new episode comes out, it's downloaded straight to your device, ready for you to check it out when it's convenient for you. And please turn around and share this information. Uh, you're going to put some information in the hands of somebody that might just make a difference for them. You didn't even realize it. All you did was click share. So please, it's really important getting the word out for all these cool businesses you might just help them out by click and share and putting it out on LinkedIn and all those types of places. So thanks in advance to everybody who does that. And everybody here was awesome. Every time it is. Thank never, you. I'm never surprised. It's always a great show. Happy holidays. Lots of fun. So I guess we'll see you all next year, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so far away. Have a great New Year's, everybody. We'll see you real soon. Bye.